everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 21, Essentials for New Linux Users, recorded October 9th, 2011. This week, we're going to totally rip off content from a Tech Republic uh, article for, what, the third or fourth time. So <laughs> we're going to look at an article they wrote entitled uh, Essentials for New Linux Users, and then we're going to talk a little bit about our take on it, and then we have some other content as well. And uh, joining me this week, we have, as always, Mr. Chris Neves, the c- command line godfather. Hello, Chris. Hello, everyone. How's things tonight? It's, it's wet. We finally got some rain here in Texas, and that's a good thing. And of course, I'm glad you get some rain. It could be a lot worse. It could be like 40 degrees like we have here. Oh. No, we, we're not there yet. It'll be another five or six weeks before <laughs> we're that cold. And, of course, Mr. Seth Anderson, the gooey kid, is the one who actually got all this kick-started. He's the Tech Republic reader. Say hello, Seth. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Go Rangers. <laughs> Go Rangers. Uh, yeah, they got rained out tonight, but they should be playing. When did they reschedule for Wednesday, was it? Tuesday? No, it's tomorrow at like three fourteen oh, or tomorrow. something. They want to okay. be, they want to be done before Monday Night Football starts. I guess everybody quits watching. <laughs> this is the ALCS, right? American League Championship Series. Yes. Right. Um, you know, you got to give it to the Rangers. They uh, made it all the way to the World Series last year, and then got their head handed to them um, in no uncertain manner. Um, they're climbing back up and going to try to do it all over again, I suppose. Oh, and, we can wish them yeah. luck. It's about the best. Yeah. And uh, we don't have uh, our noob in residence this week. He is at this very moment on a plane headed to uh, Cheesehead Central, where he's been doing the uh, training that he's mentioned in the last couple of episodes. So we'll be doing this noobless tonight. Um, hopefully we'll still represent you out there. In fact, this uh, topic that we're talking about is very noob-centric. It would be good to have him along, but... We'll soldier on without him. So, yes, so we will. you really like the new Facebook, right? Yeah, well, I, I think it is still crap, and it was so bad, I want to continue to voice it. Um, <laughs> you, I, I, you guys have to see, in the, sh- in the show notes, uh, Seth wrote, This just in, Facebook top stories, still crap. <laughs> I went on their bug report thing and I filled out a bug and it was like, uh, what do you expect to happen? I put Facebook interface comes up. What actually happens? Some top story crap. Uh, so I was on there today and, and the top story, the very top thing in my feed was something that a friend of mine posted, a picture of a hat. Okay. <laughs> From yesterday afternoon, uh, like 26 hours ago. And then there was a little thing that said a hundred other top stories, and I clicked that, and like everything that had happened in the last twenty six stories popped up. Uh, but the chronology is weird because some of them came up before it, and some of them came up again duplicated after it. Uh, but there was his hat right there at the top. Apparently, they really thought I cared about his hat. Yeah, uh, Facebook thinks they know me so well. I'm waiting to turn on my computer one day and said, Facebook says you're married. No, that's uh, <laughs> that would be says horrible. You're a, I think a secret admirer. <laughs> yeah, and this is who they should be. Uh, it, it's uh, in fact, I just saw um, when I upgraded my Firefox this last week that built into it, preloaded. I didn't even download it. Is a an extension to make the old Facebook app appear 
interface up here when you go to Facebook. Really? So there's a Firefox inter, inter, uh, um, add-on for that that restores hmm. the old fi- Facebook interface. I'm going to have to look into that. I'm not making That's it interesting. Out, honestly. So I, I can't, we can't do a show even remotely related to technology without mentioning the big news that happened this week. Uh, Monday evening, Steve Jobs passed away. Um, nobody has to be told who Steve Jobs is. And while we bash his products on a regular basis here on this show, we have to admit that his presence in the world will be missed. He, uh, he changed industries on a regular basis. And, uh, that, that kind of, I don't know. Uh, the, the word genius is overused, but that kind of power doesn't come along very often. Yeah, he definitely was an innovator, and he made really Apple made really good products under him. And uh, and if they didn't make a good product, they figured out how to mass market a product that someone else had made. And uh, <laughs> well, no, because you know, I mean, they didn't make That's the, the truth. Uh, they didn't make the MP3 player. They just made people want one, right. and uh, you know, and that takes a certain amount of genius on its own. So, as much as I loved bashing his products, you know, I, I didn't bear him any evil. So yeah, we Steve, will miss yeah, him. I, I take my hat off to Steve Jobs. I don't think anyone else could have turned Apple around as far as he did, because um, before he took over, they were in the crapper, and you know, when he left, they were top of the heap again. So. Yeah, I think uh, uh, an obit I sort of thing I read said he had some 20 patents with his name on them. Um, I don't know that that means he invented 20 devices. That means he bought the patents. You know, it's kind of the way I tend to look at it. Uh, so I, people give him credit for inventing things. Steve Wozniak invented things. Apple, uh, Steve Jobs just built a company around it and figured out how to sell it. If it, yeah. weren't, if it weren't for Jobs, Woz would be happily building computers in his garage for 20 years. Um, right. But Steve was the guy who knew how to sell stuff. And he was that. He was a master salesman. And I think what his power was, his uniqueness, is that he didn't focus group. He didn't look at what was popular. He didn't look at what will be popular. He didn't look at what people want. In fact, he, he was openly open about coming out and saying, I don't care what you want. You don't know what you want. I'm going to build something, and you're going to want it. And more often than not, he was right. Yeah. All right. Enough or about. Or if you weren't right, if you weren't right, he made it right. <laughs> he had that. He could do that. He he would yeah. make you. I mean, you remember that uh, iPod ad campaign that was just the white earbuds. That that was the whole thing. The white earbuds. You want these because you're not cool if you don't have these. Yeah. And, right. And like Seth said, there were MP3 players. I had one before that. I had a smartphone long before the iPhone. But Steve Jobs made something that people wanted. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it. It was like, if you look at it like a car, he made the car that you can just get in and go, whereas like Linux is the car you have to be a mechanic kind of in order to run. And who wants to be a mechanic on their own car? They want to just get in and go. And for a large segment of people, they don't want to think about how what they're using works. They just want to pick it up and have it do. And I mean, that's not me, but that that's a lot of people. Right. That's like every Harley owner has to know how to br- uh, work on their Harley because they're crap. No, wait, that's that's a whole different analogy. Never mind. <laughs> so, uh, Chris, tell us about Google+. Plus. Well, just recently Google+, Plus went public. Um, and I have really haven't seen a big flux of people jumping the uh, 
proverbial shark to get on Google Plus. So I was wondering, are we still, is Google Plus a public thing now, or is it still just a nerd geek hangout? I would go farther and say I've seen a decline in my Google Plus traffic recently. It's like all the early adopters jumped in and we used it like crazy, and now we're kind of tired of it. And and I don't know if it's going to catch on with quote unquote normal people. And I kind of hope it does. It's too bad. I think Google Plus is a much better thing than Facebook. It is. But you go where people are. And that's the thing. Yeah. Facebook has the people right now. But we know how quickly that can change. MySpace had the people. And right. now it's a deserted wasteland of badly designed web pages. I Did Justin Timberlake buy MySpace? I heard that somewhere. And, of course, I, I didn't did bother to check it up. Well, if he did, I'm sure it cost him less than his breakfast did earlier that day. <laughs> right. Now, MySpace is still a good place for bands and musicians to hang out. I think maybe that's what Facebook is going to have to to come up with. They're going to have to make media better and more accessible because, you know, my wife uh, will take a picture or a video and with with a one punch of a button on her phone, upload it to Facebook. Uh, she doesn't even know about Google Plus and, and, you know, I'm all over it and she knows she's heard me talk about it, but she doesn't care because all the people are on Facebook and all the apps mm-hmm. on her phone are written to Facebook and she knows how to use it. So there's a lot of inertia there. Well, the yeah. other thing I think would be interesting to see is how well, and I haven't played at this part of Google Plus yet, but how well does the um, attachment to Picasa Web and the Picasa Desktop uh, application do? I, I know they're intertwined, but I wonder how tightly, because I know a lot of people that use Picasa. Well, isn't Picasa a Google product? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, Picasa Web is the photos part of Google Plus. Right. It's there's not an integration. It is that. When you click the photos thing, you go to Picasso Web. Oh, okay. I guess the shadow box, I guess I never really noticed because the shadow box is so good. Right. Yeah, but the, all those pictures at least that's how it was for me. All the pictures that I have in Google Plus are from my Picasso Web account, which already existed when I joined Google Plus. Hmm. And it didn't, uh, to their credit, auto-publish them. <laughs> it showed me them and said, do you want to publish any of these now? How very um, un-Facebook of them. Yes. Or how very un-Google Buzz of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. D- does anybody, I mean, maybe our audience knows about Google Buzz, but I bet the rest of the people in the world, normal people, don't don't know anything about Google Buzz because it, it came and went so quickly and nobody really cared about it. Its real power was the threaded conversations that yep. Facebook doesn't do very well and Twitter doesn't do at all. Yeah, I never looked into Google Buzz, but I mean, I was kind of familiar with it from the news I keep up with. Well, if you had a Gmail account, you didn't have any choice but to look into Google Buzz. It was just there, boom, turned on. Well, I didn't get a Gmail account until y'all made me sign up for Google+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right, so let's move on. Uh, Seth, just tell us about this Tech Republic story, uh, what the impetus was for you bringing it to us, and then we'll uh, go through and completely rip off all their content. All right. Uh, don't worry. We'll get some bashing into it, too, because I know that's what our audience loves. It's us and stuff. Um, no, uh, there's a uh, blog over on the Tech Republic. One of them I subscribe to is called 10 Things, and it's written by this guy named Jack Wallen, and he's the same one that... Um, 
I used for a show topic, uh, I guess it's been a couple of months ago now, and it was like 10 things you must teach new Linux users. And his takeaway says uh, sharing a few key facts about Linux can mean the difference between a stress-free translation and a user meltdown. And uh, so it was just like, it was kind of from the perspective of, you know, you're going to give your mom a computer then that has an operating system that's not Windows on it. You wouldn't just hand it to them. You would kind of go over a few things. The analogy would be, you know, you wouldn't take someone who drives an automatic car and just give them a standard car and watch them try to drive because they would be stuck at a slight incline, unable to get the car to move <laughs> forward, um, which happened to me when I was learning how to drive a standard in high school. My brother, my brother and I had to get out and change seats, and everybody behind me was honking their horns because I could not go through the stop sign. So well, you know, that's uh, the way that it used to be. When I was like six, the way I learned to swim was one cousin grabbed my wrists and another cousin grabbed my ankles. They said one, two, three, and threw me into the lake. And by golly, I learned to swim. And <laughs> and I think that's what we do with a lot of Linux users: is here's Ubuntu, uh, learn to swim fast, right? And so this uh, this article goes to give us some ideas of how we can uh, put some floaties on them at least. Right. Yeah. You know, it's one of you know if you know a little bit before you get started, you know, um, you wouldn't just get in your car and go driving to Dallas and then two hours later ask, oh, by the way, what direction is Dallas in? Um, so just a couple of pointers can maybe save. And of course, I think some of his pointers are wrong, but. Um, the fact that you're going into something different, it helps to know a little bit about it first. That's easy, Chris. Dallas is south. <laughs> right? <laughs> For you, it's south. That's right. doesn't matter how what else you do. If you go south, you're headed toward Dallas. <laughs> I was just making fun of Seth's uh, uh, very locally oriented comment there. <laughs> oh, no. You know, Dallas Cowboys, everybody likes to make fun of Tony Romo. They just need to know how to get here to do it. So. <laughs> All right, so number one, it's just an operating system. Let's talk about that one. Uh, his point here is that it kind of doesn't matter what the operating system is, is because most everything else, most everything is now done through your web browser. Um, and he says, so long as the operating system can run a browser, it will most likely live in the background, um, working away without being noticed. And I think... There's a, there's a lot of there's some truth in that, but um, and if you live kind of in a big city, there's a lot more truth to it. But if you live in a more rural environment where people don't have high speed or what we call high speed really isn't high speed anymore, uh, you still ooh, do ooh, a like lot me, like on me. your operating system. Right. <laughs> you know, I have uh, I have like 256 up at my house. So technically that's high speed, but it's really not high speed especially if more than one pe person tries to use it. So um, while it is true that most, you know, Firefox on Linux looks remarkably like Firefox on Windows, um, and so if it works in Firefox, you you know, Google still looks the same. Uh, Yahoo still acts the same. Facebook still looks like crap, either one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're still... Um, it, so in one sense it doesn't matter, but in another sense, don't don't take this too far. Um, right, and it, we need to keep in mind that the the intended audience of these ten things are your grandma or your mom or your uh, you know incredibly low tech savvy cousin. It's not us. It's not the people listening to this podcast. This isn't for you. 
because you want to know the details and you want to pull it apart and you want to dig into it. But if you're trying to support your wife, right? So you're trying to, to make your house an all Linux house and you want to get your wife's approval or your, your kid's approval. These are some things that you need to introduce them to. And oftentimes we as geeks forget that we're not normal people. Definitely. Me, I hope I'm not breaking oh. any bad news to you. You are not a normal person. Oh, what? I'm not normal? Oh, man. <laughs> a long time since I thought I was normal. <laughs> okay, and so the next thing on the list uh, was it's not Windows. And that's huge because when the first one, right, it's just an operating system. Most people don't even know what operating system means. They don't, those two words, they don't know what that means. So you have yeah. to tell them, well, an operating system is Windows and this ain't it. Yeah, right. you would be surprised how many tickets we get saying, I need Windows 2010 put on my computer. Right. And yep. uh, I just, so, you know, you close the ticket. There is no such product as Windows 2010. Uh, and then they get mad because, you know, <laughs> so if you do that. Yeah, that's not being pedantic at all. No. <laughs> but so, it's still a lot of fun to do. So it's not Windows. You, you've got to make sure they understand that they can't just go down and get that uh uh, magic school bus DVD that's in the $5 bin at Kroger's. I don't even know if there are Kroger's in the rest of the world. Sorry. Um, at the grocery Walmart. store. Uh, and you and you can't just put that in, expect it to work. It's not Windows. And, and I don't know. I think most people will see that as a detriment. But you need to at least let them know that that's the case. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not Windows. It's not Apple. It is something different. You know, it, it's more than the difference between a Ford and a Chevy, but it's not as different as, you know, speaking Chinese versus speaking English. Um, you know, it, there are differences. There are similarities, but there are differences. Okay. And if people know that, you know, and just because you buy something at the computer store doesn't mean it will work on all operating systems. Now, this next point, I don't think I agree with at all. Um, so I'm going to, um, I'm just going to read word for word and then I'll tell you where I object to it. Number three is there is no C. And he says, Windows users are accustomed to a file system structure that never really made sense. Okay, that's an opinion. Linux, on the other hand, has a perfectly logical directory hierarchy. I don't agree with that. This is one user issue where users need to understand. However, there is really only one main directory they need to know about, and that's home slash your username. Most modern distributions create the following directories within the user's home directory. Documents, pictures, video, music. Those subdirectories speak for themselves, and new users only need to know where they're located in order to function properly. Okay, I would say that that is a uh, a byproduct of Windows 95 or before, because people don't know about C anymore. They know about my documents. Yeah. Right, and and if you look at Windows 7, you have documents, pictures, music, and video. So, you know, I don't under I don't understand what he's saying. You know, I don't understand what he's saying because you really don't need to know a file structure in Windows 7 if you're just a user. You know, if you're someone who supports it, you need to know the file structure. But to me, I think you could just scratch this point off. There's really no difference between Vista slash Windows 7 and Linux in this regard. Especially since they added that new libraries thing where it automatically scans your hard drive and puts them in the little 
documents library, no matter where it's saved. Right. Yeah, I know I make the mistake uh, frequently of saying it's on your desktop. They don't even know what desktop is. It's well, it's the yep. the cloud picture. <laughs> it looked there. Is there an icon there? So I I think that's making an assumption that your grandma, right? And I remember that's who we're talking about. They don't know what C is, and they don't care. Right. And yeah. And so there's number three. If this should be the nine things so far, you know, I wouldn't <laughs> even mention this one. Well, and he's also there's some real bias there uh, talking about the uh, file system that didn't make any sense. It made perfect sense back in the old days when you had two floppies, right, A and B, and then later right. you added a hard drive, which was C. That made perfect sense if you've been around long enough. Yep. Uh, it just, right, it and then just you add your optical drives and your zip drive and everything else. Right. And so you had C colon documents and settings. Again, makes perfect sense. That's where I keep my documents and my settings. Um yeah, and and for him to say then that Linux is better, that's that's some fanboyism uh, coming out there. And and while we're we're not anti fanboy, we want to be honest too. Right. Yeah. And Chris, this is sort of this next one is is one of the things you talk about often. Uh, software install is a different process. Talk about. Oh yeah. That. Well, in Windows, you pretty much just go out and double click something, and then you install it. Um, in Linux and any well in any version of Linux, you're either going to have a software center or some sort of add software here button. Um, you really don't get that in Windows, so I, I think this one's a little of a f- valid point because yeah, installing software is a different process because it just is. Right. You uh, can't- going back to Windows XP in the control panel, it was called Add Remove Software. Did you ever once add software from the control panel? Mm. I remember I found this program one time that you had to go through the control panel to add it. It was some weird thing, and I don't remember what it was. And I remember getting so confused going, why can't I just install you? Why are you making this pathetic Windows program monitor the installation? Um, so, yeah, the ad, the ad part of the ad remove programs never really caught on like uh, Microsoft wanted it to, I think. Yeah, so in Linux... I don't even use that anyway. I use, the, I use a Revo one installer to remove software. Yeah, there you go. So I don't right. even see that thing anyway. So in Linux, you for what... Uh, I'm going to say last three or four years, Chris, uh, maybe going back farther, but certainly the last four years, every major Linux distribution has had its own software center of some sort, um, graphically one, Within one one name or another, yeah. Right. It's always been called something. Um, the biggest ones would be Synaptic or, um, I think, Yum, the Yum, and, the Yum X installer for the Fedora people. Um, Yast be- for everybody else. Everybody else. Ubuntu. Most of them were command line. Um, there were some GUI ones and other ones, but they weren't really mainstream. Uh, Ubuntu made it mainstream, and now everybody has some yep. sort of add remove software center, software store, something like that. So yeah, you just tell them this is where you go to find stuff. Uh, instead of you, you can still install stuff over the internet, but for the most part, most of the time, you just want to go here first, type what you're looking for. And you can literally yep. say type documents, and it'll pop up everything that can type a document, more or less. Yeah, if you've ever used an iPhone, which you know, or an iPod Touch, which most consumers have, 
it's just like going into the um, uh, the app store. You know, it's just it's not called App Store. It's called Ubuntu Software Center or something else. But you go in there, you search, and you say, I want that one. And it's, you know, and just like in the App Store, you put in your iTunes password on the uh, in the uh, software center, you have to put in the root password. So it's really, I would say the process is really identical. Yeah. And so the yeah, next one, it- oh, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, have you guys looked at the new Ubuntu Software Center for 11.04 or 11.10? I haven't. I don't install pre-beta releases of Ubuntu because I have been burned very badly, so no. (laughs) There's been some pretty big jumps. It looks really good. Um, Still not enough for me to go to the Unity, but the Software Center is much improved. Okay. And is that Software Center tied to Unity? Or could uh, I put Kubuntu on or uh, put GNOME on and get the same software center? You'd get the same software center because it's okay. the that's where you'd go anyway because they, they don't have Synaptic installed. Right. You use the Ubuntu software center. Um, but, yeah, I was really impressed with it. when I, was, I threw it in a VM to play with the beta, and I was really impressed with the new or the, re, the continual revision of the software center. Right. It's the evolution of something that was introduced and it keeps getting better. By the way, I just want to point out for those, obviously, uh, if you're listening to this on audio, you can't see this, but uh, Chris is wearing a shirt that says, Talk Nerdy to Me. So when I said he's not normal, that's just further evidence of the fact that that we are not normal people here. Hey, there's a nerd on there. Can't you see the little nerd? Yeah, it looks like, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, so... The next one, I'm going to sit back and let the gooey kid and the command line godfather fight it out. Uh, it says the command line is not necessary. Beep. <laughs> yeah. That, that, I, you know, that was my cuss word for the day. <laughs> maybe for just the someone who is just purely a user, maybe. But, you know, as much as I try to avoid the command line, it is still necessary as part of my daily function. And so... While it's not maybe necessary to have, if all you're going to do is launch a browser, I think um, I think this is being a little too simplistic. So, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, this is the whole idea of people trying to get to de- desensitize people from the command line. I don't know how many times in the last three weeks I've had to jump into my command line on my desktop. That isn't supposed to need the command line to do something. But, like, you know, AppKit got corrupted, so I had to do the repair stuff. You can't do that inside a Synaptic. So the only thing you can do is to jump into a terminal and issue the repair command because there is no repair button. Right. Windows tried to get rid of the command line. Remember the in Windows ME, it wasn't even there. You had to run a registry hack to get, get it back. Yep. Uh, but... You know, even in That's now, the mistake edition. yeah, the Windows mistaken <laughs> edition. Um, now in Windows Seven, it has a prominent place back in the start menu again because you just you need command line from time to time. Not every day, uh, probably not even every week, but you're going to need it. And let's not pretend that it's not there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, I mean, in one sense, used to you had to be a command line godfather to put Linux on your machine, but those days are gone. You know, you don't really need to know the command line to install it, but 
you need to know some basic command line skills. Here's a great example of that. Uh, This was several years ago now, six or seven years ago. I was talking with somebody. I wanted to put some Linux terminals in uh, our media center at our church. And this person said, well, Linux is fine until you actually want to do something. Like if you want to add a printer, and then you're dropped into a print cap file, and it's like you've landed on the surface of Mars. And I I said, you must not have looked at Linux for years, because... I don't even know what a print cap file is, and I do it all day, every day. And still, I've been running Linux for years. I've never dealt with a print cap file. I don't even know what that is. It's every anytime I've wanted to install a printer, I click on printers and add, and it's there. Yeah. So uh, I think people have this mistaken impression that was true a long time ago, but is no longer true. Well, I think that was the predecessor to cups, if I remember right. And yeah, it was a nightmare back then but um that's been long gone right. since oh I, I don't even know how far back that went yeah i i gotta think that maybe he wasn't even dealing with like gnome he was dealing with some command line you know back when the terminal was 12 inches and green uh, <laughs> but that's in the unix in the unix versions of things maybe right that was a long time ago uh, you still don't need the command line on a regular basis, but you're going to have to pop into it once in a while. Um, definitely. You you definitely need the command line. And, you know, that's from coming from the GUI kid. You need a command line. Right. And then number six here, uh, I just patently disagree with and honestly don't think we even need to uh, give it airtime, but we'll see what you well, guys think. Number six, there's no need to worry about infection. I wanted to find him and just slap him with a dead fish because T is just, <laughs> they're just, I mean, especially you start off with number one, it's only your browser. It doesn't matter. And you know, if you're running a browser, Firefox can get hacked, whether it's Linux, Mac, or Windows, and they can still, they can put key loggers in there. And there are infections for Linux. Now, granted, they're not nearly as common or prevalent or as targeted as Windows. But to say there's no need to worry about infection and throw security out the door is just ridiculous. You know, you still don't click on links that you don't know where they came from. You know, delete your spam. Don't don't go to that website. Uh, don't install software because somebody said, hey, look at this great media player. You know, one, it probably won't install because they're thinking Windows. But number two, there's no telling, you know, lit- you can ride a Trojan for Linux just because they're not in the news doesn't mean they're not out there or it doesn't mean that the possibility doesn't exist. So, you know, the Mac people used to say the same thing. You can't get infected, and then this Mac Defender virus went all over the place. But if you, you look at it, it's difficult. There are a lot of steps you have to take, and then often the virus or the malware or whatever uh, is much more limited than it would be in Windows. But to say there are no infections in Linux is just a lie. Yeah, it's a right. flat lie because everyone, I mean, in your Linux installs, guys, do you have Java? Do you have Flash? Absolutely. Because those, are right, those currently are the infection protocols for viruses right now. Most of them are coming down through Adobe Flash, PDF, Java. You know, that's where your infections are coming from. And even those um, JPEG viruses, they, those would still cause some issues with Linux. But I still hear Linux advocates say this. Uh, weekly. I hear it all the time. You never have to worry about viruses ever again. You never have to worry about infections. You never have to worry about crapware or toolbars. 
that's just wrong. It's much less likely. And if you do get infected, there's, it's going to be probably easier to clean up and it's going to do less damage. But let's not be disingenuous here and say that there's no such thing or to say you don't need to worry about infection. Now, as I've said before, I don't run antivirus on my machines. I don't even run a firewall on my machines. Um, and I've been, you know, I'm fine. I haven't had any issues. So it is my, I would never do that. I would never plug a Windows machine in with no firewall and no antivirus. So yeah, it's a right. much, smart, much smaller target vector. But to say you don't need to worry about it, particularly somebody who doesn't even, doesn't even know what the C drive is. I mean, if we combine those two points here and say we're talking about somebody who lives in the browser, doesn't know what the C drive is, and we tell them you don't have to worry about viruses, that's the danger, in my opinion. Yeah. that's yeah. You're spelling disaster is what you're doing. Yeah, I don't Light have antivirus. Fuse. Yeah, I don't have antivirus on my Linux either. But again, I have that security mindset. I am not going to just go. Oh, what is this? Really, I can get a million dollars from Nicaragua? Let me click here and put my bank account in. Is all it takes? No problem. Yeah, you know. So, so if I were to rewrite this one, I would say you're less likely to be infected, but you still need to be cautious about what you do online. Right. It's kind of like, you know, living in the country, sometimes I don't lock my car doors at night. Now, if I lived in the city, I would lock it every time I turned around. Uh, you know, but that's not to say somebody can't come jack my car out in the country. It's just much more, it's much less likely to happen. That's uh, actually, because there's so many. That's Go an ahead. excellent analogy. Because you yep. talk about the attack vector, right? Out there where you live, I've been to where you live, right? There, somebody has to be looking for you, right? They're right. not just going to a mall where there are lots of people. Windows is a mall where there are lots of people, and an attacker knows that he's going to find somebody. Uh, but if somebody wants to get you, Seth, they can go down your dirt road and walk past the angry dogs on, on chains and get to your car. Yes, still it yeah. would be a good idea if you locked it. But right. That's an excellent analogy. It's the it's the the dense um, uh, mall parking lot at Christmas versus you know the the country uh, house driveway. Um, right. You're you're less likely. It's a smaller attack vi- attack vector, but th- that means that any, if anybody is going after you, they're much more determined about it. Right. Yeah. So we all disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> and the next one. It's kind of a duh for me. It's free. Okay, next. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. And, you know, and that, well, one thing, there's that mindset, well, you get what you pay for, you know, and so, well, sometimes, you know, it's better to give, it's kind of like, it's better to let everybody have a decent thing than to have these old junky things, uh, spam bots that are spewing out stuff. So, yes, it's free, but just because it's free doesn't mean it's bad. And having said that, there are Linux distributions that are not free. Well, so. and, but let's talk about, again, the, the people that we're talking about. We're talking about, about my wife, for example, a non-sophisticated user. She's never paid for Windows. It's free. Right. It came with every machine she's ever owned. Right. Never, it's free. There's no difference there. Yeah. It's just the cost is rolled into the hardware that she bought. Same with Mac. You don't buy the Mac OS. It's free. It comes with it. You might buy an upgrade if you choose to. But, you know, the the, the fact that Linux is free means nothing to, to almost everybody. Yep. Now, if you're a decision maker in an IT department, that's important. Anybody else 
it it's meaningless. Yeah, no, no disagreements there. <laughs> yeah, we we were all in agreement with that one. And then number eight here, another one I think we just need to throw out because it's just dumb. If you don't like it, you can change it. All right, no, you can't change it. Only like 2% of people in the world can change it. Let's be honest. <laughs> and the people who can change it freaking know it's there's not a C drive. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I don't understand what is concept. You know, well, like for a Mac... For instance, if you want to do something to make the keyboard light stay on longer, what that means is that you hate the environment and you want to see the planet die a horrible death. Uh, <laughs> wow. I was told that by a Mac engineer. I asked him, how can I go in and make the keyboard light stay on longer? And their, their, uh, the official company response to me was, don't you love the planet? I'm like, if you love the planet, there wouldn't be this big glowing logo on the top. But, you know get it uh so you, you can change things you know it's not like you're given one thing and said this is how you play videos by launching this application you have a choice but if you're coming from a windows world you already have a choice so yeah it's i don't understand what he's saying here you have more choices to base stuff on i guess i don't know yeah and of course i was approaching it from the example of the open source you can open it up and code it and I hear that argument so much, and it just makes me nuts. Because, yeah, if I had a degree in programming, sure, I could. I don't. I just want a tool. Um, but what he's talking about is it's more configurable. Yes, it's more configurable than Apple, um, than, than the Mac OS. I'm not sure I would agree that it's more configurable than the Windows OS. I mean, there, there, are, there are a million different ways to change Windows. Now, Oh, yeah. I guess you can't put your own window manager on it. Like, you can't take Explorer off and put something else on. Like, you can take GNOME off and oh, put yeah, KDE on. Yeah, you can put... There are programs that you can use to replace a lot of Windows processes. Well, but, but it doesn't really replace it. It just launches on top of it or instead of it. No, but I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking the person who is reading this, that new perspective, going from KDE to GNOME... I don't know if that's something I would want them to try to do yeah. because uh, it was last time I was looking at doing it. It's been a couple of generations since back. It was like it wasn't just a, you know, there wasn't a checkbox to go into and say GNOME KDE. You know, you had to break out the command line, yeah. which doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems to me that, some of this article is the, aimed at the 12 o'clock blinkers, and right. some of this article is, is aimed at the hackers, and they really shouldn't be in the same article. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, all of his articles I've read, there's been, about half of it's been pretty good, and about half of it has been, you know, why are you? Why am I not writing that? <laughs> okay. Maybe, so, he should, maybe he should change his thing to the 50-50 typer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so number nine on the list. One that I wholeheartedly agree with and think more people need to know about says all hard, not all hardware is created equal. Um, Amen. And, you know, we've talked about this at the truth at length on this show that, that some things just don't work with Linux. Some things work, but not well. Like, for example, this new laptop that I'm using right now, I can't put Linux on. Maybe when, when Ubuntu 11.04 comes out, I will be able to. Uh, wait, no, we're, we're already at, uh, 11.10. 11. 
11, 10, whatever. <laughs> Maybe when that comes out, I will be able to, to try it. But right now, Thursday. my hardware is too new. Thursday. Thursday. Uh, that's the whole reason that I had chose the Mego OS last week is because I specifically wanted to find something that would work with that hardware set I had. Right. And so I figured since Intel is involved in that and Intel developed this hardware, if anything is going to work, it's going to be. Yeah. So um, and sure enough, it did work. It, it's the only one I've tried on there to this point that has detected the wireless. Now, Linux has it opposite problem than both Mac and Windows. Uh, with with Mac and Windows, the newer the hardware, the better the support. As, as things get older, the OS leaves it. With Linux, the older the hardware is, the longer it's been around, the better the support is. You're more likely to have unsu- uh, uh, full support on something that's five or six years old than you are on something that's brand new. And that's, right. that's In some instances. Say, say again, Chris? I'd say in some instances of that, yeah, I would agree with you. Because, like, I have an HP scanner here that's, oh, uh, HP ScanJet 2400. Um, there's no Linux support for it. You have to do a big old bunch of, of hacking to get it to work. And it's an old scanner. Right. Well, but see, that's uh, – it didn't get any better, but it didn't get any worse. Yeah. So, you know, you, that maybe the better way to put it is if Linux will ever work on it at all – It'll work in a few years, you know. Right, and you know, and that's why, especially when you have an older machine, is an ideal candidate for Linux. It's like, well, I can't use this anymore because it's slow on Windows. Well, of course, it's slow on Windows because the amount of RAM Windows now requires is doubled because right. of all the updates and stuff and the antivirus software. So now you can put Linux on there, and you have a much faster running system. And it's not fair to fault Microsoft or Apple, either one, for leaving hardware behind. Right. Uh, particularly Apple, they're a hardware company. Their business yeah. is selling you new hardware. Apple, uh, Microsoft has hardware partners. A lot of their business comes from partners. It's in, it's in their best interest to deprecate old hardware. Linux, right. on the other hand, doesn't have that issue. They're guys like us who can't afford the latest and greatest or are more likely to have a three- or four-year-old laptop, and that's when the support gets not only added but gets really good. Right, because somebody needs it. Yes, that's a good way to put it. And so if you have, Chris, that ScanJet printer there, nobody on the Linux side has needed it bad enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then number 10 which I think is true, uh, true but also dangerous, is Google is your friend. Talk about that, Seth. Um, <laughs> if you have a problem and, you you know, my computer doesn't work, but if, if there's something that you can't do, you can put, if you know the exact thing, you can put it in Google and you can figure out how to do it. And if anybody out there has done technical support, you know enough to sound intelligent while you're frantically searching Google for the answer. And then whenever you do find the answer, you pass it off as knowledge you already had. But, um, <laughs> you know, but, and if you've ever listened to a radio talk show, uh, a tech talk show, like uh, Leo Laporte that we've mentioned before is a good example of that. If you've ever watched him on video, like when he's doing a show, he is typing in the question they're asking him into Google while they're asking the question. And he's simply relaying information. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. See, this is a known problem. It goes back years ago. And he's just reading Wikipedia. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Um, right. I had a friend. Uh, who would 
constantly send me questions over instant messenger i would copy and paste his question into google and then copy and paste the url for the search results back to him <laughs> russ is awesome <laughs> and you knew exactly what i was talking about because he's done the same thing to you right yeah but yeah. yeah you know but you take a standard troubleshooting step like um have you rebooted your computer well in a windows world a reboot resolves a lot of issues and in a tech support world a reboot provides you valuable time to scroll your Google <laughs> results. So uh, it's one of those. It's, it's a win-win for everyone. Um, but um, there's another. I don't know if we'll get to the other article. There's also a danger in this because because Linux is open, people can post things that will harm your computer, or they can mistype. You know, imagine typing out the wrong command where instead of installing something, you deleted something, or if you have a, a, a backslash instead of a slash or a comma in the wrong place on a command line that can break the command line or do something unintended to your system. So uh, you have to be careful. It is your friend, but you still want to verify what they're saying. Um, right, And, and so. it's something I've said on this show many times. One of the Linux, uh, one of Linux's, Linux's, Linux's biggest attributes is its community. And one of Linux's biggest detriments is its community. Um, when you go for help, when you start searching, you're likely to find some pasty face 14 year old with a superiority complex who is going to say, you know, you didn't phrase your response in the form of a question. Uh, and so he's going to, he's going to berate you for it. Or, you're going to run into Chris, the godfather of the command line, who's going to say, first you need to open up the command line and type these three commands. Um, and you, that, that may in itself be beyond you. You don't, may not know where the command line is. So yeah, Google is your friend, but it can also be your enemy. Or you had, uh, you're running Ubuntu 11 and the fix you found only worked in 10. If you run it in 11, it, it, um, breaks, you know, it breaks your machine or right. something like that. Or so. you've got 64 bit and the fix is for 32 bit and you don't know the difference between the two. Right. Yeah. So that's, um, Google is your friend, but, you know, it's, uh, I mean, even friends make mistakes, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, and to go on with this, uh, Seth, you posted another article uh, with more content that we can rob uh, off of uh, techradar.com called 20 Ways to Break Linux. And I don't want to right. go through all 20 of those, but just summing through those uh, things, um, what, you know, some of the best ways to break Linux uh, is to um, follow instructions on the web, number four there. You know, right. if, you, if you're doing searches... Um, and you follow the advice of what you find there, that's one of the best ways to break Linux, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, one of the best ways to break Windows, too, um, I know from experience. <laughs> yeah. uh, another thing in this article, there are two articles, uh, or two points there separated, is, is updating too often and updating not often enough. Um, I have many, many times have updated only to break my system. And, right. and Linux, no Linux distribution that I know of has a rollback feature. It would be really nice if they did. Uh, but yeah, you do an update and, um, now my sound doesn't work. What do I do? Uh, I got to reinstall. Well, you wouldn't have to reinstall, but yeah, I know a lot of times, but that isn't so bad anymore. I know two years ago, yeah, if you were updating blindly, like it says there, yeah, it would always, you would have run the risk, but not anymore. I haven't seen anybody ha have really 
issues with an update recently. Yeah, I love number uh, 13 there. Is, well, uh, Migo, I had an update with it. But yeah, and broke it, yeah. yeah. Uh, is install packages from other distros. And that's that's easy to do if you don't know what you're doing. If you try to run something that was compiled for um, uh, Red Hat on your Ubuntu machine, there's a very good chance you're going to hose it. But you were reading an article with very impressive-sounding strangers on the Internet who said you should run this file. Yeah, or even if it was, again, you know, the article you had, you found, is five years ago when Ubuntu was on version 6. And now you try to run it, and it goes, what in the world is this? So, thanks uh, important as well. well I, I like number 20 and 19 on the, the 20 ways. Treat it like Windows or spill coffee on it. <laughs> Well, I like uh, number 16 is one that we've just talked about recently is disabling swap. And I, I have said I don't ever put a swap partition. And this says you know, the 16th best way to break Linux is to turn off swap. But I don't believe that. I don't use swap. Um, install from source number 17 there is a good one. If you don't know what you're doing, don't. Even if the very yeah. helpful, nice man on the web forum says you should install from source, don't. If you don't know what a C drive is, don't <laughs> install from source. <laughs> right. Even if you do know what a C drive is, you probably shouldn't install from source. And yeah, I, it, I, I you just can't find I, the I command just... line. You can't <laughs> install from source. So <laughs> if you don't know the difference between a make and a make install, and most of us don't, just don't do it. Uh, um, hey, wait, I like those two commands. <laughs> well, yeah, but you got to know the difference, right? <laughs> and you're not normal. Uh, reinstall it. I love that one. Don't reinstall Linux in Windows. That's sort of what you do, right? You hose it, you just run a reinstall. Uh, in most of the cases in Linux, reinstalling it just says, oh, that file's already there and doesn't add anything anyway. So you just wasted yeah. a half an hour and not really gained anything at all. Yeah, if you are going to reinstall, go uh, off of a live CD with Gparted and just reformat your partition. Nuke it. Yeah, and nuke and pave. There you go. Nuke and pave, that's right. <laughs> because otherwise, a reinstall almost never does you any good in Linux. What you could do, though, is remove um, – they have those purge flags that you could run to purge the program and then also remove all the configuration files. Right. That would help. <laughs> I love number 12 there. Use Pulse Audio. <laughs> if you try to use Pulse Audio, you can break Linux. That's funny. Wow, that's – yeah, I think Pulse has been working for, what, at least yeah. a year? Yeah. Two years tops? Well, this article was like from this past week, so it was. Um, <laughs> but again, you know, for every distro, you know, and that's and that's another thing we really didn't talk about is, um, and you should know that Linux is not Windows. There are different versions of Linux. So, uh, right. and just because something works great on one distribution doesn't mean the other distribution even knows what it's talking about. Right. Most people, I'm, I'm going to use. Uh, a a wide-reaching statement here, so I'm going to think about it as I'm saying it, but I, I think I'm right. Most people have Linux somewhere in their house, and they just don't know it. If you've got oh, yeah. a TiVo, you've got Linux in your house. Uh, if right. you've got an Android phone, you've got Linux in your house. Um, right. If you've got any kind of uh, smart appliance, you most likely have Linux in your house. If you've got... Uh, um, a Ford Sync, you've got... No, that's Windows. Never mind. Uh, but uh, Linux is everywhere, and it's so versatile that we don't even know 
that that it's there. Just a, an interesting aside. Um, the old Apple chip that was that was put in the first um, Apple uh, computer. I, I can't remember the the number of it, but that processor is somewhere along the lines of the number three best-selling chip in the world today. Nobody's making apples anymore, but that chip is now in your blender, right, and in your vacuum cleaner and, and that sort of stuff. So uh, it's there. It's somewhere. Things are getting smarter. Uh, you just don't know it. I don't know that I had a point there. I just thought it was interesting. Well, I mean, you know, people think, oh, Linux it has 1% of the desktop market, so therefore it's, you know, nobody uses it. Well, you know, if you go to the web, you use Linux. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah. you know, you just might not realize it. Uh, and it, it's used a lot of things. It's It has very high penetration everywhere but the desktop. Uh, and and uh, one more article that we're going to rip content off of just because Seth put this in here and I thought it was great. 24 things we would change about Linux. Right? We, we did a whole gripe session about Linux not too long ago. Um, but just going to skim through here a little bit. Um, you know, fix sound once and for all. That's that's a big one, right? I think that's one of the things we complained about. Uh, right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, backwards compatibility and dependencies. That's a big deal. Um, what else? Easier driver uh, install. Yeah, that's huge. Well, no, I think the driver install, though, is getting better yeah. since they started using the DKMS stuff. Um, sleep and hibernate. That's such a simple, basic uh, laptop function, but so many systems don't do it. Right, Seth, isn't that what you had trouble with with Mego? It went to sleep and it never worked again? That is correct. Yeah. Make every task doable from the GUI. There you go, Seth. Amen. <laughs> I don't know if our command line godfather agrees with that. I would cry if you got rid of the command line. <laughs> you don't want to see Chris cry. <laughs> well, one of the ones on that article is still very true today. No more infighting. Man, if you know, if people would if all the Linux community would quit fighting each other, then maybe it could get somewhere. Let's see. Kill off dot files. I think most people don't really care about that at all. But um, you know, most uh, what most system files, things that store information, are are in a file that starts with a dot. And yeah, the hidden files. These people think that's a bad thing. I, I don't know. Yeah, there's one. Uh, or go ahead, Chris. I'm gonna say dot files are just like the Windows hidden files. Right. You really can't get rid of them because you don't want users touching them anyway. Well, if you, if it wasn't a dot file, it'd be an I and I file or a registry. You know, right. Linux doesn't have a registry, so it has to put all that stuff somewhere. And I sure don't want Linux to have a registry. Oh. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely not. I think Chris just threw up in his mouth a little bit. <laughs> just a little. Just a little. Thank you, Mark. I wanted to taste dinner again. <laughs> All right, so that's uh, that's three articles we've ripped off for our own show and uh, didn't really uh, put any content of our own into it. Yay, us. Um, <laughs> well, I thought we put a little bit of info in there. We will uh, post the links on our website when we release the show so that we'll at least attribute to the people that we ripped off. Uh, any other comments, guys, before we move on? Um, anything else that you would change about Linux or that you want new users to know? I 
I think it's one of those things. Uh, I'm a learn by doing guy, so you pick something and get started. You know, get an old machine of yours out from the attic, or go buy a cheap one and throw something on there and see if you like it. And then you know, tell us, uh, tell us how right or wrong we were on those uh, ten points we went through. Here's a good question. I'm going to pose it, and then you got give you guys some time to think about it while I answer it. If you were presenting Linux to somebody who you knew had never used it before, what is the single most important piece of device that you would give them? So I think that the single most important piece of advice I would give is check any hardware you buy from now on and make sure it's Linux supported. If you are deciding that you're going to be a Linux guy and you're going to be in this community, uh, make sure, don't assume everything's supported. Like like that comment that we said earlier, not all hardware is the same. Um, most likely, it is going to be supported, but check. So that would be probably the number one thing I would say. Chris, what about you? I would say find a local Linux guy. That would be my biggest thing. And if that is the guy who's you know trying to convert you to Linux, then that's then that's who it needs to be. But find someone who has at least somewhat of a clue when it comes to Linux, so that way when you do run into an issue, you can bounce, uh, you can ask them for help, and not have to wait in a forum or wait in IRC for someone you know make your thought into a form of a question or don't ask to ask a question. Yeah. All right, Seth, what about you? It would be the same advice I would give someone if they were using Windows for the first time. I would say get a few games on there because figuring out how to play the games, you'll be surprised at how much you figure out the OS along the way. And it's something simple because I just think it's a great way to learn an OS is learn how to play some of its games. Yeah, that's interesting. Interesting. Way give, of going give me an about example. It, yeah. I'm not following you. Give me an example of how playing a game helps. Well, for example, learning how to use the mouse to control the cards in solitaire went a long way to teaching my mom and dad how to use the mouse to navigate uh, a modern graphical interface system. Okay, so that's basic computer literacy, but I get your point. Well, I mean, and plus, you know, you're going to have to go to the packet or the. Um, the repository to get the games and double click it to install and you can access the help files there as you're learning as you run into the help files for the games then you learn you know storing data getting updates on your system changing screen resolutions you know usually games have very good documentation in them for when you run into problems and once you get once you lose the I'm scared because it's new then you know, you've overcame a major hurdle. So, I mean, th- does that make more sense? No, yeah, I get it. It's uh, You're talking about entry-level computer basics, and I think we often forget that there are those people out there <laughs> that literally don't know how to use a computer. So, yeah, gaming is a good way to teach that. Oh, yeah. I know that, you know, when we introduce new technologies in school, we almost always do it in the form of a game. So, yeah, uh, entertainment, infotainment, it's a good way to learn. Chris, you're going to start a holy war with this week's command line tip of the week. <laughs> I'm doing this on purpose because I'm, I'm wanting to start this supposed holy war to see if we can get people to come in and, you know, go to the forums, put up your thoughts on this one. 
because I use a th- I use a few different ones. I'm not stuck in one of the many. But uh, today's command line tip is Vi. Oh god! <laughs> 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 the gooey kid re- withdraws his seal of approval. <laughs> <laughs> well, the nice thing is I can also add a letter to this and say Vim, and then you have your gooey. Oh, gooey kid. <laughs> so tell people what Vi is and why you would care. Um, well, if you're like me and do a lot of this stuff in the command line, you need something to edit those text files that Linux uses to do its configuring. Now, yes, you could go in and you know open up um, a, an editor with root privileges uh, and edit the file in a, in a gooey environment. But if you just wanted to jump into a command line, add you know, half a line or a couple changes of a, you know, say changing a one to a zero or, you know, turning something on in a switch or not. Vi or any of the command line versions of a text editor are your best friend because you don't even have to open up a secondary program. You just tell it, open this program and poof, you're in it and you're out of it just as fast. And so the Emacs zealots are firing up their keyboards right now for the angry emails saying that Emacs is far superior to Vi in every way, I'm here to say they both suck. I'm with the <laughs> gooey kid on this one. Don't use Vi, don't use Emacs, use Gedit. And then just, you know, do it that way. See, I try you I try doing that, Mark. I really do. But if I'm doing something and it's not, you know, it's not a large text config file, Vi is the way I go. Vi um Nano, if if you're not want to jump into the the holy war of Vi and, and Emacs, Nano works too. Um, but the nice thing about Vi is it's already there on pretty yep. much every system. It's going to be there. It's a good fallback. I have used it on on systems where the the graphical interface has crashed and I need to fix the X11 org file. I obviously can't lo- load something graphical to fix my graphical interface, so I load up Vi. Pop. And then I pull up another computer beside me because I don't remember how to work Vi. So I go to the man page for Vi on Wikipedia and I'm looking through going now, okay, what is it? Control Q S to save and quit. No, wait. Okay. How do I get to the end of this line? Can I just hit the end on the key? No, that doesn't do anything. Why would not hitting the end on the keyboard go to the end? No. Okay. So I'll just use the left arrow. No, the left arrow is not moving. What, how do I move this thing? How do I get to the end of this line? Okay, well, I finally got to the end of the line. Okay, now I just want to erase this character. I'll hit the backspace key. Nope, that didn't do anything. How do I backspace? How do I delete the line that I want to delete? Yeah, Vi sucks. <laughs> yes, I agree with you. It's not the most friendly thing, but it does work in a pinch. Um, I love. I'm a Vi user. I even install the the GUI version Vim on my machine and also on all of my Windows machines that I work on at, at work. Um, because I, I just like the way it does everything, personally. Yeah, you are not normal. <laughs> <laughs> so, so bring me your flame wars! <laughs> so Seth, what's your text editor of choice in the Linux world? Uh, uh. <laughs> I I don't know. You reformat. Grub is your text yeah. editor of choice, not Grub, but Gparted. Uh, um, Gparted is, is your my text editor, text editor of choice. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, uh, I yeah I uh, 
I man, it's hard. You know, it was easier for me to learn a foreign language than to do that kind of stuff. And uh, and I can't learn a foreign language either. So. Yeah. So yeah, I uh, if I if that is beyond me, I I would have to uh, I would be searching Google, trying stuff, and you know copying and pasting commands uh, into whatever text editor. Um, when I tried to learn Unix, uh, we had to learn Vi for that, and it was about that point that I realized I'm dropping out of this class because <laughs> it's over my head. <laughs> Yeah, well, if you you used to work in the Cisco world, right, and and on those uh, switches and the command line stuff, and I don't know if that's actually Vi, but it's very Vi-like, um, and that's that was enough to convince you that you didn't want to do that for a living, right? That is true. <laughs> I I uh, it's it's just hard because it, I. I don't think like that, you know, um, even though, uh, I don't know, it, it's probably a mental block, but it's one of those, I just, I don't like the command line. I like the GUI. Okay, so, Mr. Uh, GUI Kid, what is our end user tip of the week? Well, I'm giving a two for one this week. Um, Showtel, or I'm sorry, Shotwell and GPhoto 2. Um, GPhoto is a program, it's digital camera software for Unix-like systems, which uh, encompasses Linux. So if you have a digital camera and, you know, you're having problems accessing it in Linux, GPhoto might help you. And then Shotwell is a digital photo manager. So if you, um, you know, if you buy a Kodak printer, you get the Kodak software uh adobe has a photo manager online uh you can import photos into it you can organize them you can do some light editing like you know rotate crop reduce red eye stuff like that it's picasa uh ba- well you can publish to uh facebook Flickr, picasa and youtube from shotwell so um, you know, photos are a big deal for people. People have their cameras. They love to take pictures and, um, you know, so if they don't have like a smartphone that they can have a one button upload to something, they just have a digital camera. This is a great way to get and organize those photos. And if I'm not mistaken, starting with 11.04, Ubuntu includes Shotwell now. Yes, it does. So if you've got Ubuntu, you've got Shotwell. Right. And uh, uh, G Photo Two, I've never heard of. That's a new one on me. Yeah, it is. Um, it's for digital, which I'm not a digital camera guy, so I, I personally don't use these. But um, you know, if you are a digital camera person, then and you're like, well, I would love to try Linux, but I have this camera. Well, maybe get, look at G Photo, and I've got the links in the show notes. And look at the gooey kid getting in on the act, adding his own. Uh, command uh, end user tip. What what is that one, Chris? Uh, that one is Digicam. It's similar to G Photo. It's a or in Picasa for the, the Windows people, but it's the Digicam is the Linux version for photo management. It's very in, similar to Picasa in KDE. It's not GNOME. It's KDE. Yep. That's the difference. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. It's the KDE I'm sorry. thing. And and if, if I remember right. In comparison between um, Digicam and then GPhoto, there's um, it's kind of a leaps and bounds of difference. The uh, the tools that are built into them are there's a big difference between the two, and I think Digicam's got more tools available, like your cropping and, and color matching and stuff like that. 
All right, and so that's it's three cross tips. Yeah, it's it, Digican is cross environment too, so it'll work in GNOME. Yeah, almost all those tools will. The GNOME tools will work in KDE and vice versa because they they have the libraries in there somewhere. Yep. And, and since Aaron's not with us, we don't have a noob discovery of the week. Uh, so I will move on to the part of the show where I tell you how you can get in contact with us, where you can send us angry emails about how Vi sucks. You can do that uh, to uh, you can email us at uh, edl for everyday Linux at elementop.com. That will come to all of us. You can go to our website at elementop.com and um, check the click the contact us button or go in the forum and post something there that we will all see and and thousands of people will comment on and great flame wars will begin. Uh, also, there's Twitter, twitter.com slash elementop, and you can find a list there with all of us. We have a new phone number that I debuted on this show last week, and that is 559-IMOP. Give us a call there, leave us a voicemail, and if it's uh, if it's good, well, actually, even if it's bad, we'll probably read it on the show. Also, I wanted to mention that we have a new show, a uh, new store uh, on the uh Website, website. elementop.com. There's a button there that says store. You can go there. We've got some new merchandise. It's kind of cool. Uh, just these, these are ways that we make a little bit of money. Another great way, we mentioned Amazon earlier in the show, I believe. Um, if you intend to buy anything at, at Amazon, if you want to buy the new uh, Amazon Kindle series or the new Fire tablet, please go to elementop.com slash Amazon. Do that. You will go to the same Amazon. You won't pay any more for it, but we'll get uh, a small referral fee and that's how we fund things here at element op so uh, if you're out there and if you intend to buy from amazon anything whatever it might be and they do have everything you can buy pretty much everything except maybe fresh fruit uh, on amazon.com and do that at elementopcom slash amazon and we make a little bit of money so that's my commercial guys anything else before we say good night uh, i'm looking at the store there's some cool products here so. Yeah, we even have iPad cases because we know that here at Element Opie Productions, we're big i fans. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, yes, I'll, we I'll are. Up something about our forums because uh, I see that someone has put up something in our so- in show suggestions, <laughs> and uh, we have a couple of them that I think are quite comical for uh, Mark. Yeah, well, <laughs> go ahead and read the post. Go ahead. All right. Um, Sean but, from yeah, our other show has co-host has put up, of, of the Taiwan Tech has put up a couple other things that he noticed that you know Aaron has the former fat guy, myself is the command line godfather, and Seth is the gooey kid. But Mark doesn't have a nickname, so come vote for Mark's nickname. <laughs> we we can choose between Mark the Photoshop Carquel, Mark not quite bandana guy, Mark <laughs> the voice, Mark soapbox, Mark tiny. Mark, Princess Buttercup. And I'm sure there's one heck of a story behind that I one. I have no idea. <laughs> and Mark, the mothership. Um, <laughs> Mother- is that a fat joke or what? That, that- <laughs> I'm not going to say one way or another. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, come, come help us give Mark a handle. I think he'll enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked Soapbox. That one made me laugh because, you know, Mark Soapbox Cockroach is probably probably pretty fitting. All that's pretty close. 
Okay. Well, I guess if there's no more embarrassment to myself that you guys want to heap out on me, uh, we will just go ahead and wrap up the show and say that ends this episode of Everyday Linux. <laughs>